Erin. Welcome back to the end of season two and the start of season three of Steven Universe. With this particular cluster, we have traversed seasons <laughs> through time and space. There were no cliffhangers. We knew everything that happened. Yeah, we we ain't gonna get stuck this time. Uh uh. No no. Uh -uh. Mm -mm. No no. Don't touch. <laughs> no no. Don't touch. We are heavy into summer. It has been sunshine and heavy rain on and off throughout the day. And I feel like doing nothing more than sitting in a room with you and talking about television. Oh. So let's do it. Isn't isn't she sweet, everybody? <laughs> Should we give her a hand? Let's give her a hand. Let's hear it for the girl. All right. Let's start it right off the gate with the episode we knew was going to hurt us the most. The first 22-minute episode, Bismuth. Yeah, this was a surprise that uh, that they did this at all. I I knew that this was a bigger episode in 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 scale, but I didn't realize it was actually 22 minutes long. So I'm wondering when else they do this. Um, you know, they do it in the future. Yeah, because we're so... quickly we are quickly rushing to the point. Oh, we haven't talked about which episodes we're going through today. Oh, thank you, Aaron. Yes, as a reminder, uh, we are going through Bismuth. Beta and Earthlings, which is a two-parter. Back to the Moon, Bubbled, Kindergarten Kid, Know Your Fusion, Buddy's Book, Mindful Education, and Future Boy Zoltron. Future Boy Zoltron. <laughs> Zoltron says. Uh, but no, we're talking Bismuth. And I always forget when you watch a two-parter or Bismuth, which is the length of a standard sort of episode of television programming, how much... These people manage to pack into just 11 minutes usually. They have such a short amount of time and they pack it so tight. Like, even with Beta and Earthlings, I saw the same thing. Like, we could have wrapped up this whole thing in 11 minutes, not because it should be wrapped up sooner, but because usually that's how they have to do it. Usually they don't have threads unmet when it's immediate rising action. But all of these, Bismuth, Beta, Earthlings, Back to the Moon, Bubble, it's all one big rush of things as it goes. One, two, it just keeps going and building. Yeah, it's a lot to uh, kind of unpack, in, uh, unfortunately. Um, in this episode, I'm kind of glad they took their time. And uh, I thought they, when you said this was a two-part episode, I really thought it was going to be two episodes at once. But it, instead, it is a 22-minute episode. It's more of a, a typical length of a you know an episode um versus you know i call them the robot chicken episodes the <laughs> 11 to 12 minute episodes that's a good comparison only in length not in content no no <laughs> gosh no a lot more family appropriate uh um and a lot more uh crying and talking about your feelings i forgot uh how much fun flirty steven is and how much i've appropriated his talk within my own life when Lion will not listen and keeps destroying his shirt, which is just one of many pieces of memorabilia of his trip to this amusement park, that he bemoans the loss of how will I ever remember it now, as he puts it with all the other pieces of memorabilia from that trip. Uh, he asks uh, Lion to, I'm going to hide it in your mane, and Lion's like, okay, fine. And he goes, thank you, boo. And I'm like, I have absolutely all the time say that to the cats. And to you. I was going to say, thank you, boo. and... Yeah, thank you, boo. <laughs> and I, d I thought I was original with that, but nah. That was from a children's television show. Yeah, well, yeah, 100%. We finally figured out what that gem was floating in 
Lion's Mane in Rose's special place. It yeah, feels like every time we go, like little by little, we know what the T-shirt there is from now, and we know what the sword is there, like all these different things, and now we know what that gem is. Yeah, the first time that we ever visited, you caught a very quick glimpse, but if you knew to look for it, you saw it floating there near the tree, the the oasis in the um, mm-hmm. in there. Um, but yeah, it was very, uh, very, uh, it's very much kind of a blink and miss it kind of, uh, situation. And, uh, he went in there and it just kind of popped open. Yeah. Uh, can we talk bismuth? Oh, bismuth. What a, first of all, cool design in both gem format, because bismuth is a really cool geometric gem. All gems are geometric, but this one is like a ziggurat. It's like fragmented in perfect stepstone fashion it's it's geometric and rigid in a way that the others aren't and they translate that so cool with the rainbow inside of bismuth being her individual rainbow dreadlocks of hair uh there's um her gem instead of it being outward it's inward it's an innie it's an innie so (laughs) um it's almost like a belly button like where all the rest of the gems are outies hers is an innie it's kind of it's a unique take on that um and her you know, gem is defined by absence. Yeah, ex- oh, that's a really cool way to put that, hon. <laughs> um, I'm really writery today. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I apologize that if I'm not a little, if I'm not more on my game, uh, I've been a little off today. We took a, we set an alarm and took a very quick cat nap before starting today, so we'd be bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, which worked well for me, but. I think you're going to need pizza or something after this to revive your spirits. Uh, yeah, I'm going to need something. Um, <laughs> but we, uh, yeah, the uh, bismuth uh, and then her her overall physical shape, too, is a little different. You know, the gems have been um, not stereotypical uh, body shapes, you know, the, you know, for the female forms, uh, pearl and or, am- or not amethyst, lapis, lasley, or more the the stereotypical say, female form i would say but even run then, the gamut like that's yeah. the cooler thing is that it could be any sort of shape like this is more on the jasper side of big and tall she looks similar to me yeah. like uh bismuth bismuth and i are similar in shape but she's got a much smaller waist than i, I am do just imagining you cosplaying as bismuth right now and i'm getting chills <laughs> I, I don't think I could do Bismuth justice. Like, but she, her, I do like that design because there are women out there who look like that, who are very broad shouldered like that, and are very muscular. Even we once again seeing that uh, showing diversity doesn't have to be pandering, and that the fact that it's there without being, hey, have you noticed that we've been making all the crystal gems different shapes to reflect all styles of women? Wink. It's like, well, yes, it's there. But we're not going to make a big fuss about it. You are a woman. You can look at it and be like, yes, thank you. Thank you for showing that there's more. Well, I mean, it it goes for uh, both sides of the gender equation or, you know, if you are genderless or in transition or anything like that, it works for that, too. Because for the men's side of things, if you look at all of the men, you have like your your tall, skinny boys like with sour cream. You have your, you know, you have your set men like um, Greg. I mean, even Steven kind of breaks that mold a little bit. He's not your stereotypical bright-eyed, you know, protagonist with, like, he hey, I'm Steven, and there. there's nothing there. He's got a belly on him. He's 
That's He's got a boot. Steven is not an anime protagonist, and thank God for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's not the the faceless protagonist from many uh, uh, or stereotypical animes and stuff like that. So it, that's one thing that they've always been heralded for is their their character design, the the outline form, and that's something else too. Is, is if you put like if you took the characters and you literally just outline them, you didn't do anything else. You well, put them in an outline. That's character design one hundred and one right there, baby. That's that's important, <laughs> baby. It's it's important, and that's it beyond even ideas of uh, inclusivity or differences. It's it's just good character design. If you can see the silhouette and identify it, it's a good character. Hey, I completely agree, and I think her how she is built physically works with her character too. Like Pearl is supposed to be light and delicate and almost like a dancer because um, she was built to be a servant. And this is short and spunky. All of the training of a Jasper or a Quartz shoved into one small body. Yep. And then Garnet. Oh, God. <laughs> <Just>. Inexperience. <laughs> Inexperience. The answer. She is the answer. So Bismuth comes out, and no one knows where she's been all this time. And she is a fervent believer in the crystal gems. Like, she is a fanatic. And I think that's what kind of lays the groundwork she spars with them in a way that the gems really haven't done in a while they've been happy to just hang out with steven and do more domestic things and help with beach city stuff uh, and then this person comes in who's trained for war whose entire mindset is taking on the upper crust which i love as both a metaphor for the one percent and like the upper crust of a planet so it's kind of got that rocky thing going on there too and she's trained them in vicious and in battle just in the art of war and steven's kind of like intimidated by that and steven fights all the time so it's not even that it's just the idea that that is the centerpiece that is the focus that the ritualistic combat is so antithetical to how he's been doing things there's definitely a um a hierarchy within the gyms that we've we've even kind of mentioned on the show before um where Pearls uh, belong to people. They're like indentured servants, if not slaves. The diamonds are clearly in charge because of it kind of feels like divine given rights sort of something. Like they're perfect and infallible sort of things. Yeah, and we we haven't really seen why yet, but I think at the closer that we the more that we learn about diamonds, the more that we will know um why and i i know that it's kind of um a reader i'm sorry uh, redundancy um but i think that there's reasons because the higher up on the food chain that you are on a on the the gym scale i think it's because of how powerful you are i mean it has to be the, the with a society built so utilitarian that has to be if you are perfectly built you are a perfect being there is no room for error. And we'll talk about that a little bit more when we get into Earthlings and uh, later on. Uh, but the, I think the saddest thing about Bismuth, the tragic thing, is that, you know, she really exposes some of the things we've been unwilling to talk about and the idea of what gems would do to each other, what has been done in all of these gem wars for the control of Earth, that, that she would create a weapon like a gem shatterer is indicative of what terrible things Homeworld has done to her. This is not made, uh, you know, this isn't made out of spite or maliciousness. It's, it's the only way to stop them. They won't fight fair. Neither will we. And it's, 
it's sad. And of course, Steven's like, absolutely not, because that's our beautiful boy. And he doesn't want to, because bubbling, as far as we know, is different than death. And shattering is death. Yeah, this is like for gyms have a um, a built in almost non death like th- they they regenerate they, yeah, exactly, and this becomes the the death at that point, and it's hard for Stephen who believes in almost the sanctity of life that why push it to that point? Exactly, there has to be a way. Like uh, that I think that's the saddest thing. Most new gems that Stephen meets try to kill him like <laughs> or or do something like in in he he has turned or befriended most oh. if not all of when well, not all of them but um which we kind of address actually in an episode in this in this cluster mm-hmm. um that he he actually harbors um not resentment but um pain about that the things that have happened the people he couldn't save and it's also it kind of shows why there are certain people even within his own hometown why he continues to do that because he literally he has that issue so with bismuth trying to do what she does in this episode it pains him and it pushes him to a breaking point that he never knew he had and 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 he never knew that um his mother which i think we find out again later on in this cluster what like again a lot of stuff happens here yeah this this, this really cluster eventful. yeah so again we we keep which talking is about the exact opposite of the end of season two which is all paradox character development yeah it, it wasn't at all about yellow diamond or uh, you know they they took care of uh malachi like right at the beginning of Superman and that was done so to have a season again end with more of these heightened emotional points is a little uh, return to season one ish, and, and and that's more of a kind of a stereotypical way to end a season is to you know you kind of have your you know rising action, a rising action, and then, and then cliffhanger kind of thing. So, um, so with Bismuth, she creates this diamond or not diamond, uh, this gem exploder yeah because you don't really see it because it's very quick cuts she calls it the tipping point yeah because it's a point meant to shatter uh and it's it's clearly born out of the heart of a person who has been through so much and wants to just end this she's it's it's a broken heart and one that's seen too many friends die and you can tell when she talks to steven about uh you know steven she does uh it's the saddest part where he's trying to convince her that this isn't the way to go, that it's never the answer, this sort of violence. And Bismuth says, that's exactly what she said. Because Bismuth, the entire time, is thinking, are we sure this isn't just Rose another form? No, I'm totally different. Stephen always has to convince people that he is not his mother. He is his own person, always. But because they are so similar in that way, she ends up believing that it is Rose Quartz that is manipulating her. Rose Quartz told her that she could be anything she wanted to be, and that is antithetical to the way of gem life on home world. And to to be betrayed then after you've said you can do anything to say, but you can't do this. I think just, you know, how many times will we, our own people die before you value it more than the life of an enemy? 
and and it's hard. That's always that's always and again that that tipping point, and um, I I don't think it was uh, a a mistake that or a um, a coincidence that the writers you know called this this thing that Bismuth made um, this and what Stephen has to do in this episode. Um, and the rest of what happens in these episodes too, uh, or in this cluster, and it's and it's hard. And this is something that people deal with all the time. What is you know, what do you what can you get away with in war? What should you do for in the in the namesake for war? Um, it's 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 a debate that people have had since the dawn of time, and or at least man has had since the dawn of time. You know. Stephen is of the mindset is why can't we all just get along? And he has shown that you you, you can. That isn't that is an actual plan. It yeah. can be done. Yeah, and and it's hard for people to um, change, absolutely. But when you take the time and patience, like with Paradox, or you know, you have the compassion and again the patience with Lapis Lazuli, it can happen. Mm-hmm. But you also see business side that you can't talk the enemy out of this. There's how yeah. how we ever get to the point where that's even a thing. Um, there are a couple there are a couple highlights from this episode. Uh, using the bismuth puns twice and then saying it's gonna be really good when she does a third one. That's a callback and then she does it and it's like the saddest thing ever. Yeah, like ah, nerds. Right? Yeah, you it was it was a really interesting kind of build up. So the beautiful interstitial scenes of. The little chibi crystal gems all standing on the platform yeah, together. Yeah, the little uh, transitions. To make it feel like, oh, they're part of the group. They're all a group again. And that's like, that's the saddest part. She gets introduced. And that's why I'm glad it wasn't 11 minutes. Because then she'd be gone again in just in so short a time. At least this way, we got to see her for a little bit longer. Know her a little bit more before she goes away again. And I think, yeah, I think it would have been uh, too much of a gut punch. I think people would have actually been turned off on the show if you gave her an entire episode getting reintroduced to the show just to pull her away in that next episode. And when we watched, we had gotten a little, we had gotten past this point. Yeah. We had not seen Bismuth again yet. No. Um, I, th- I So to spoil this episode and to put a little bit of a spoiler, um, I have seen stills for other episodes. I I think she does come back. I don't know in Steven what regard. Steven Universe does not do one-offs very often. Like yeah. The fact that the Rubies, which were a joke character from a joke episode, show back up again and have importance to the plot. I think Steven Universe is really good about weaving in characters. Or like centipedals. Or... Exactly. Who would have thought the centipedal would come back? And that would be an emotional crux. Yeah. So I Or like Lapis Lazuli has become you know, a, a, a quasi-crystal gem. So I'm gem. certain we will see Bismuth again. And the question will be that since Steven did share her story with the others will she be on steven's side then yeah because um so i guess to say you know again spoiler alert for this this episode again, i don't know why you watch our our streams <laughs> if you haven't seen them already but um she um starts to fight steven and um because he disagrees and does not think that it should get to the point of you know shattering gems and he knows that for him it means true death even before poofing means true death for him or believes that it would be true death um we, you know we have no idea what would happen to steven if they if he gets to the point of poofing um but the the fact of the matter is, is 
they start to fight and he does he tries not to fight her he does what he can and in fact he uses some of his new, new newer powers where he bubbles but does the the bubble with the spikes on it and um and he he tries and he tries and he tries and he gets to the point where she has the turning point on her and he he won't shatter her he won't shatter her but he does pull out rose's sword and um poofs her basically and they have a conversation while the sword is still in her before it, she's poofed and um it, it's it's a very big emotional moment and she and it's like well are you just gonna you know bubble me and not tell anyone like you're like she did and he goes no i'll tell everyone and, and her final words are well then you're better than she was and then she poofs and it's like it's a huge huge moment it's like again steven kind of proving that he isn't his mom but it's hard for people not to kind of still see his mom in him like he wants people to see his mom in him but understand that he is still his own person that's sometimes what children of prolific people have the issue with you know like uh children of famous celebrities to live up to expectations exactly um you know i used to have to introduce myself you know oh hi i'm i'm jim's son or i'm missy's son or or even you know i'm leo and liza or not leo Leo and loretta's grandson or you know i i used to have to do that all the time as a kid and i realized that i was growing up whenever i had i was able to stop doing that and people had to start introducing themselves as oh i'm aaron's dad or i'm aaron's mom and it was kind of a fun thing for me so I never felt like I had to live to expectations with that, but there are so many times like with people who have to be, you know, I'm Yvonne's daughter. That's that, you know, that, that can hold an expectation behind it. Or I'm, you know, for me, it's like, I'm Jim's grandson. That there were sometimes I yeah, had so to be familial expectations are like what define us for a great portion of our growing up until we become our own people. Exactly. So it's it is a uh it is tough to have that kind of weight. And um we he is starting to have to kind of deal with that and the well, deal with the emotion. With it forever. Like every single thing seems to come back to her. Yeah, I, I, how about this we're starting to address it more and more. And I think we're going to have I think here soon we're going to have a whole episode dealing with it. I'm certain we will. So so let's go flip from Steven's insecurities to Amethyst's insecurities and go to Beta, which is the first part of another two-parter. Both individual episodes, though. Um, oh, I didn't even do my little... I do my little blurb, usually. Oh. <laughs> I could have just done that, so Beta. Um, uh, hang on. Um, so I do want to say one thing about the episode Bismuth. Um, there are two episodes that are currently tied for the highest-rated episodes in the whole show. Mr. Greg, which is one of my favorite episodes of all time are for the show right now and bismuth so i don't i don't doubt it uh, well, uh beta with amethyst obs- obsessing over her loss to jasper steven takes her to visit peridot and lapis lazuli at the barn peridot and lapis show off their attempts at creating art which they call meep morps mm. when that fails to cheer amethyst up peridot takes her and steven to jasper's birthplace a heavily rushed and poorly made kindergarten where they discover Jasper is the only perfectly formed gem made at that site. <laughs> I love that they, I love, we go back to the barn and they're like, yeah, we're cool. We have a great roommate relationship. We watch Pining Hearts all the time. We invented art. 
we call it meat morphs. What if you could, what, what is it? What if you could taste sound? What if you could see sound? That's art. Oh, we, we call it meat morphs. Here's uh, all my baseball gear. It's a reminder of the time that I played baseball. What, here are, here's our fountain. What's to get? It's just a fountain with, it's just toilets with rushing water coming out of it. It's awesome. Is this the time when you were, this is reminiscent of the time you were locked under water or locked in a mirror for a hundred years? No, it's just water rushing out of a toilet. Uh, No, I just like that episode a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I do, so that's a nice thing. Like Lapis and Peridot's relationship is so good, even while they still maintain their personalities. Like Lapis won't fly them into the barn. But Peridot's so focused on being a good host that Lapis does help her play the instruments. Like, all these little kindnesses and interactions with each other. And we do find out that her powers are not just telekinesis. It is actually um, magnesis, so uh, metal. Yeah. So she is magneto. So clarification upon earlier ruminations on exactly what she did. Yep. Because uh, she even says something about my magnet powers will, or my metal bending powers or something like that will help us. She tries us. to do a one-man band. <laughs> gets one note out and they all fall down. She's like, "Well, that's much as much as I've practiced so far." <laughs> and of course, and then the- and yeah, when you say Lapis jumping up and helping her, that was adorable. So cute. But of course, this whole thing is really about Amethyst, who cannot get over that Jasper beat her. We haven't solved the problems with the actually the last episode that we talked about Stephen versus Amethyst, which happened right before Bismuth, where they both realize that they can be good and strong in their own way, but that doesn't resolve Amethyst's feelings about jasper beating her and how she wants to have a rematch which doesn't make sense to me because amethyst was never like the strongest uh you know garnet was always stronger was always quicker you know the better fighter amethyst was just kind of scrappy she could hold her own in a fight you know that's why she wants to beat jasper she has to prove that she's stronger than her Hmm. and especially because they both were formed in such a similar way she thinks, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to be taller. I'm supposed to be like her. It's a, a complex. She thinks I have to beat her to prove that I'm not worthless. Because that's all Jasper ever says to her is that you're imperfectly made and poorly executed. And that is why you fail. And that's why you're made to suffer. Because you are an imperfect version of me. And it would be admitting that imperfect things have their place in the world too. If she were to win. If she were to beat Jasper. Yeah. Uh, so we get to the kindergarten, and Peridot, as always, is completely oblivious and unaware to the effect her words have on people's emotions, talking about how it's a poorly made, sloppily rushed kindergarten. And you, you can tell, like, it's just as eerie as the other kindergarten, uh, but they talk about how all of the holes are sideways and slanted, and you, you think yeah, about there's it. There's one that's, like, coming at it, like, uh, like the rock is formed like this, or like this. Like a weird angles. Yeah. Uh, they talk about the entrance, the exit marks being rough and haphazard. And the the overall thing about it is that, think about that, how perfectly formed the first kindergarten was. And Amethyst just happens to be the one that didn't come out exactly right. But how Homeworld was like, we're going to breed these perfect soldiers. The second one made, realizing that they didn't have enough to take on the crystal gems and to capture like. Okay, we're going to make another one real fast. It doesn't matter if they come out wrong. We just have to get boots on the ground. And so they probably unleashed a bunch of just malformed creatures onto the world, except for Jasper, who is the only one who came out perfect. Yeah, uh, real quick. Hi, Sandy. Hi, Sandy. Um, Yeah, and it's it's, uh, it's really funny because they're... uh, uh, 
paradox. Oh, if you are listening on uh, just an audio medium and wondering who we're talking to, you can join us on the live stream on our Facebook page, Married to the Idea Reviews, and we'll give you a shout out. We'll say hi. <laughs> or talk about whatever point you'd like to make. Yeah. Uh, Peridot spends a lot of time trying to figure out, or like trying to like prove that maybe there's some way that she's imperfect like oh she like the exit if it's a certain size uh it's not um she wants to make amethyst feel better but not the sake of distorting the facts and she comes out and says no this is the most perfect hole i've ever seen it's really funny too because like some people like were debating like well why did she lick the rocks but that's actually a a actual geological way to identify rocks because there's a rock that if you lick it and it's salty it helps you identify which rock it is and there's one and it's uh i think it's like if it's ashy or something like that um or or no bitter if it's bitter then it's a certain rock so aaron took a geology course and i love when he talks about it <laughs> all the rock things he learned talking tell me about igneous tell me about sedimentary <laughs> I can tell you what a conglomerate is. Ooh, tell me. It's when more than one type of rock forms together. So it's a cluster. Exactly. <laughs> so it's a um, uh, it, it's very uh, it's it's very funny and uh, but it it's it unfortunately ends up meaning nothing because she does out of this imperfection riddled area, she comes out perfect, and she just you know she is the perf- perfect gym that comes out of there but i think that also proves too that like even though she's perfect she still keeps failing you know she failed in her first mission against the crystal gems she keeps failing against um you know the gems by herself and it's because she keeps thinking she can do it by herself until she learns you know until she embraces fusion and then it's important that jasper keeps getting beat by fusions because it drives her need to think well, I need to fuse then too to become more powerful and drives her desperation and is what leads to the sadness of Earthlings part two. So they they stumble across that Jasper's there. Um keeping corrupted gems in cages, breeding an army basically. Yeah. Um, which she actually figures out or we figure out that some of these corrupted gems were actually once Jasper's. Yeah, like she you see her looking at them and talking about that. And that when it cries, she kicks the cage and says, you're made to suffer. Again, that whole idea that you weren't made perfectly, so it's your job to be in misery. That's yeah. what you're worth. Very dystopian uh, sort of view on the world, but I think that's what Homeworld thinks of things. Uh, but Earthlings is, I think, might be my favorite. And with this fights Jasper, but cannot get the upper hand until, in a moment of commiseration with Steven, she fuses with him into smoky quartz. Jasper's rash decision to retaliate by fusing with a corrupted gem results in her being corrupted herself. This is a huge moment because um, Amethyst has been thinking this whole time that I failed and that I'm imperfect and that this and that. And even though they just had this huge conversation and this, let's be honest, this huge battle that Steven does kind of stand up and say, it's like, listen, Amethyst, it doesn't matter whether you're imperfect or not. I'm not Rose, and everyone keeps thinking that I am, or everyone keeps wishing that I was. You and I are like exactly the same. We're both going through the same sort of things in our lives. And it shows that like his relationship with each of the three, the original three crystal gems, Garnet, Pearl, and Amethyst, are 
uniquely different and and we talked about it like how um you know different types of love they share and amethyst is a friendship love and i think that's why he's a little harsh not harsher but a little bit more blunter with her he can be blunter with her no i would say that's why they they're the first to fuse that's why she's i would say that's why exactly why she is the first gem that fuses with steven because they are so alike because they are that friendship love that love where you can be brunt and brutal to your friend and say listen up here's what we're going to do here yeah and it's um and when she finally kind of breaks down and says you know what you're right and because she was the last crystal gem she never even met bismuth that we find out in the episode um because one of the last to join even though she met greg she didn't know bismuth so there was a you know point in time when she wasn't around and it was i and sorry so she kind of does feel a little bit inadequate. So she knew Rose, but she may not have had that kind of relationship that the rest did. You yeah, know? she's allowed to be friends with Steven instead of Pearl, who thinks, you know, like sometimes I know that Pearl is thinking like, are you in there? Because you were my whole life. And uh, Garnet in her effortlessly cool uh, <laughs> mentor way, just being like, it's cool, whatever. How you, however you do it. <laughs> it's like, uh, because Ro- uh, Rose was a um rose was a mentor to garnet and she now in turn is being a mentor yeah. kind of like yoda to luke to luke to ray kind of thing and after so much sadness for amethyst what a beautiful and brilliant moment to finally have the fusion and reveal of smoky quartz because at that point on the the minute they enter the field the battle is won the whole mood turns light. It becomes a set piece for all the different tricks she can do with her yo-yo weapon. It's just <laughs> such joyous chaos to watch her go. And again, how do they keep finding the perfect voice actresses to uh, to combine seamlessly two different voices into one? Uh, this is uh, an Orange is the New Black char- uh, actress, I believe. Yes, I know Bismuth. her. I, I've never watched Orange is the New Black. Um she, it, I know her from so many other things. Uh, her name is Natasha Leone, um, Leone, um, but she's been in so many other things. Um, I thought for a while that it was, you know, Russian Doll is one of the one of the things that she knew. But she was also hear, on American Pie too. Yeah, every time I hear these fusion voices for the first time, I think that it's just one of the a- actors doing an impersonation, but it never is. It's always a brand new person that they bring in to do the voices and they always sound amazing so they're, they're doing a great job on casting there was there was something that we watched recently i'm like she was a voice on it i thought you know i could be wrong Uh oh aaron's diving yeah i'm I'm diving at the moment He's so going deep um, into the IMDb but scene. this yeah she is a great voice because it almost sounds like amethyst but with a little with the the humor of Steven. The like, maturity of Steven thrown in there. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so they finally fuse. Again, Steven, we didn't even know Steven could fuse with a gem. We know, obviously, that he fuses with Connie to form Stevani. Uh, and that has never happened either. Humans and gems can't fuse. So Steven has the ability to do all these different fusions. Um, actually, an interesting question was I found in one of the forums that we don't know yet as far as we do watching the series. But Aaron, do you think that if Steven fused with Pearl, they would make rainbow quartz? I honestly don't know. Because the the fact is, is 
we have not gotten to that point where he's this is the first time he's fused with a full gym. This is he's not because they tried to fuse um in an earlier episode in season one and it, it never got to that point. But he that's I think when Stevani got introduced. Exactly. And um it was uh We don't know what Rose Detroit Rock City, that's where I know her from. We don't know what Ro- uh, Rose and Amethyst fusion looks like. So we don't know if they did form Smoky Quartz. We have no idea. Yeah, I don't think it would be, though, because I think Steven is still different from his mom. So um, we know what Rose. Oh, so that's what you're saying. Yes. is That's what Rose and Pearl. I don't think it would be. I honestly think because because Rose and Steven are different enough that they would not because I don't think if Rose and Amethyst fused, it was not smoky quartz. Okay. So that's my that is my uh my theory. All this and gem thought all these gem talks we don't know nothing about. I actually I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna straight up say no because of a later episode in this uh cluster. Oh, so you have future vision. Okay. Mm, <laughs> slightly. Slightly. And then poor Jasper, who once again tries to fuse with something who does not want any part of her and and says the line. I think it's like the, just the, the most pitiful line for a character that, again, we were certain would not get a redemption arc. Everything I try to fuse. No, no one I fuse with wants to stay with me. No one wants to be with me. And just the corruption that she faces and that she won't allow Steven to help her not corrupt. The fact, and we get the biggest reveal of the whole ding-dang thing, that apparently Rose Cor- uh, Jasper wasn't part of Yellow Diamond's battalion. Her diamond was Pink Diamond, and Rose Quartz shattered her. Yep. Like, straight up, like, what? Sorry, that's what she was in recently. Um, <laughs> Did you find something else? Sorry, yeah. Um, we're, we'll talk about it in just a second. Just tell me now. No. Um, <laughs> no. No, you won't tell me. Because you, I mean, that was a really big thing that you just said, and I want to undercut it. Um, Yes, the fact that his his mother, who he thought was, you know, this, like, savior of the gems, either A, was a liar, or B, did go back on his own, the own belief that he thought she had, and shattered shattered a gem. And not only a gem, but a diamond. Mm -hmm. So. Again, a diamond. Unbreakable impossible to break a diamond i i will say for those who like to nitpick you are correct it is explicitly said that she shattered pink diamond in the next episode in this episode it is only implied that rose quartz hurt pink diamond yeah and destroyed her but it that is the case so far as we know um and just and oh gosh the little last little line from Amethyst after they poof Jasper. But finally, finally Paradox, after all this time trying to make Metal move, finally gets something to fall on Jasper. Not even fall. It's like she like she- kind of holds up her hands and the, the, the metal rod just shoots right through her. Right and it's just like, because it, it, was, it was a reflex and it, and it just shoots right through her. Paradox just says, you're welcome. Because <laughs> um, Jasper is getting corrupted at this point and it's just like, she's like, just like, Bubble she looks like, like our big beasts that we've yeah. seen before. And after she's turned into a gem, Amethyst just reaching down saying, I got you, sis. 
I, and that's where I'm like, I'm thinking that if they she does get a redemption arc, Amethyst is going to be a huge part of that. So it's it, it will be tough to see that, but it's I think that's where it will it, come into it. I think it's it. coming. I think a redemption arc is coming for Jasper. I'm not sure when. Again, I don't think I had ever saw her again in the amount of show that we had there, seen. I've seen some stills. And again, um, I've seen stills for both that. And again, we're we're again we're rushing towards where we were both the nexus point, the nexus point, so uh, <laughs> the tipping point. So where it, we don't have any clue what's going to happen next. Yeah, the end of this season, um, or sorry, the end of the season four, where we are, where we ended, um, before we were doing today, it was definitely a. Um, uh, that I can tell that we either got to the end or very close to the end that I remember. So, because it ends on a very big note. Well, let's keep going because it continues to get bigger and bigger. This whole end yeah. of the last of the season. Uh, back to the moon. The disp okay, because they come back after f defeating Jasper and all the rubies are back. Like what? And cliffhanger. The dispatch team of rubies have returned to the barn, still searching for Jasper. To try and get rid of them once again, Amethyst impersonates Jasper. But things go awry when the rubies take her and the other crystal gems to contact Yellow Diamond at the moon base. While there, Stephen learns a shocking fact about his mother, Rose Quartz. Yeah, that's I, I think that's when they do outright say. That she shattered the um, rose quartz shattered um, pink diamond. Pink diamond. And again, we have never seen any diamond besides yellow diamond. We just have our murals that we can see, uh, and we also find out that Stephen was the one who named the rubies. Because when we saw the credits, like how do we differentiate the rubies? Because they all introduce themselves as rubies. Like in the Ruby. credits, they're Ruby. army, leggy, navy. And I'm like, who gave them the funny names? Uh, it's Stephen, because he's like, oh, I've been calling them by the placement of their gems. That one's got them in their arm, in their navel, in their eye. Uh, so we get to have more of the fun Ruby personalities show up as most of them have no idea why they've come back or are too scared to reveal the nature of their mission until finally they release Doc because Lapis has been holding them all in time out until the gems got there. And I like how it's like it's it's her version of bubbling in a way. It's uh, yeah. watering. Exactly, <laughs> watering. And Garnet just holding one of them under her arm. Now stop that. You'd be nice. <laughs> and she's like, aw. <laughs> now stop that. Now stop that. Uh, and all of them saying, we searched everywhere. We went to Neptune. We searched all the planets in this ding-dang solar system. Jasper's not there. And you can't fool us again with any of your tricks. Pan to Amethyst posing as Jasper. Jasper, there you are. Oh, goodness. We knew you were here somewhere. These poor gullible rubies. <laughs> Oh my god. These 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 rubies are adorable, but adorably like menacing. Exactly. Like how you managed to convey that with just a few little lines, I don't know, but I, it's the vibe. So yeah, Amethyst uses her shape shifting abilities to pretend to be Jasper and these rubies, because they're so gullible, are like, Oh wow, Jasper's so cool and strong. The best part of the episode for me is when um she takes all the prisoners onto the ship. She's like, Well, I can't do this by myself. Uh the prisoners have to come with me so i can keep an eye on them and they turn back to lapis lapis you want to be a prisoner she's like nah <laughs> just fades back into the barn mm, nah deuces you go you go have your own thing I'm, I'm going back to the barn uh and they get back in there and uh all of the have garnet and pearl and steven all overreacting to jasper kidnapping them i'm so cross about this Oh, woe is me to be trapped here. Ah, Jasper, I defy you. Just, oh my gosh, I love when they let Pearl just go crazy. I love it. 
<laughs> you shads get a word out of me. <laughs> so very, very good. And as Amethyst having the, not knowing how to pilot the ship at all, being like to the ruby, uh, you just sit here on my lap and you pilot the ship. And all the rubies being so jealous of that one, like, wow, she really is just so strong. Oh, and she's just like, a good leader. Eyeball just kind of like crying in the one corner. One tear out of the other eye. <laughs> uh, so eyeballs, ruby is a flashlight. Is that a thing we've ever seen? No, I mean... Yes. Yes, I want to say. You've seen the other gems light up as like a source of light. So just yeah. might have a, the eye, just like a giant uh, lighthouse. Zoom in through the and darkness. it may be like who, spe- like the specific type of gems. Because like with Pearl, like how hers can do like the, she, how she replaces. Exactly. How she can do hologra- hologra- uh, holographic projections or even like do replays of memories and stuff like that. So. Mm-hmm. Of course, they get to the moon base and the communication system is down because they destroyed it last time they were there. Yeah, I forget who it was. I think it was, uh, it was Garnet. Garnet. Yeah. yeah, and so they say, "Well, I guess we'll go then." Okay, bye. And they all just take off. You're like, "Oh, okay, that I guess that worked out really well." And they come back. Oh, you need a ride? Hey, wait a minute, not again. We've been duped again. Oh. And then they they form uh, Mega Ruby. Mega Ruby. <laughs> and then Stevens ingenious idea of just slam the airlock and send them all into space i mean pop done of course forgetting that he could get sucked out into space too and for a brief moment moment in time sardonyx gets reintroduced before steven just gets sucked uh right what out. happens is mega ruby is like getting like sucked out and they actually split um from you know mega ruby to the the five and uh eyeball grabs steven um and pulls him out into space and then uh and then hard cut to black yeah like you actually get a point of view shot of steven like leaving the the moon base and like going out and it's a really really cool shot and it's like oh shit and uh this begins like honestly like that that's literally what happens in the episode because the next episode is could be entitled space is freaking terrifying because i Space episodes always freak me out like real bad. Yeah, like, especially it's great anxiety. Yeah, especially ones that like where you're just stuck in space. Like I remember that um, because the next Didn't one is watch Gravity for those wondering. Couldn't watch it. Because uh, uh, the next one is called A Bubbled, and it, it's just Steven and this Ruby basically stuck in space. Um, but it's very Bender. Uh, yeah, Godfellas. Futurama. <laughs> yeah, but with that one, like he had no worries about like whether he's gonna die or not. But I mean, he would eventually die, but it's not gonna be like in. But more the loneliness, the crushing, bleak, vast emptiness of space. <laughs> uh, it reminded me a little bit of just like, uh, the that story, that short story where the guy is on the ship and literally has enough fuel to get to where he needs to go. And any deviation could possibly cause the whole ship to go down. And he has, like, supplies and stuff like that. And there's a girl stowed away. And he, like, figures out how much he could not eat or, like, how much he could deviate just to give her a little bit extra time. And, like, he allows her to call her family to say goodbye and call her brother to because that's who she was trying to visit and say goodbye. And then he has a basically sent her out in the airlock and like that was like the whole story and it's incompletely and utterly devastating and it's just like it reminded me of that that's so tragic you've never heard that story you never read that story i had to read that in high school no yeah it's it is 
utterly sad. It's, um, yeah, it's just like this high school age or like college age girl, like, because it's it takes place in, the, in this in this um, slightly distant future, but like space travel, like or this company or whatever, they have to div, uh, deviate fuel. But like, if you're going from like say from work from home. Or, or home to work you have just enough gas to get you to there and then they give you enough to get back and you cannot and they, they've measured out how much you weigh that's how much outcome of a capitalist society that's yeah that's what we would do in the future that's not what i want for my future because my future would be you give everyone the max amount of gas your ship will take and it's okay if there's extra left over because it's space and you can't pull over at a sitgo in space well it, it's the, like the, that's unfortunately that's kind of part of it is like they're they're trying not to have anything go wrong and Unfortunately, they, they figure out that, like, something is going wrong, and he figures out there's a stowaway, this this young woman, and she's just – at the space station that this guy is going to is her brother, and she just wants to visit him because she misses him so much, and he has to go through this moral dilemma. It's like she can't, he can't sacrifice himself because she does not know how to operate the ship, and there's not enough time to, like, say, okay, this is what she had to do. This is what she had to do. He can't, like, write out instructions or anything. And like he literally like has to make this call because and it also the ship has supplies on it. It's it's a devastating like knife through the heart kind of just yeah. awful story. Yeah. And this this episode reminded me of it. Yeah. So after being sucked out of the moon base's airlock with the rubies, bubbling himself to safety f- safely float through space, Stephen has a life and death encounter with the murderous ruby he nicknamed Eyeball, and that is correct because Eyeball was always the one who gave me like the biggest like skeevies, like the biggest like <laughs> that. That's the one who would kill you. Uh, I'm also glad to see that Avengers Endgame ripped off something else from pop culture, and it's not just a oh, you know, a man and a friend, enemy, friend, female floating through space with not enough food or air to make it anywhere. Any anyone getting some Tony Stark Nebula vibes off this, or is that just me? I yeah, I mean I at mean, least I that mean, one ended a lot nicer. It definitely ended a lot. They both ended pretty well, all things considered. But it's really Stephen just alternating between trying to convince Eyeball that he is his mom and not his mom, which is just the hardest part for Stephen. He wants to make this Ruby happy. Well, Ruby would be happy if they saw Rose Quartz again. Like, oh, I I I can do that. Sure. I mean, technically, yeah. It's it's fine. It's cool. And then, of course, healing the ruby after they get sent through the asteroid field, sacrificing, you know, safety to try and save her and then realizing, oh, you are her. I can kill you now. <sighs> Just, ah! And he even says that if you kill me, you won't, you'll never get back to Earth. This is the only way we have to travel. The bubble will be gone. You'll have no way to show me off to anyone on Homeworld. It's like, I don't care anymore. <laughs> this is what I want to do. I'm doing it. And then just to cast her out into the cold depths of space and continue on alone in the darkness in a small little bubble. Just so sad. It, and like, it just, it's so, it, it's like um kind of like the scorpion and the frog. Like they kind of yes. need each other, but at the same time, they, they do kind of actually, you know, uh, eventually kind of like, not necessarily work out of friendship, but then they do want to have each other around. Uh, because Stephen has the bubble that you know Ruby or the you know eyeball is on, and then all of a sudden it's just like, 
the um sorry where are you who are you going with this <laughs> well uh eyeball gets knocked off of the the thing or of the bubble and steven does this thing where he like allows it to stretch out to catch her yeah that's pretty cool again more learning on the go drifting past a satellite and not getting any bars was a very good joke <laughs> i i'm i'm literally right by a satellite no service my fanny it, yeah, it was. It they definitely allowed them like some some great jokes, but then it's just like it's like I've always I just wanted to see rose quartz just the once the mighty rose quartz turns out just to kill her. Yeah, and then uh, Pearl doing some I'm gonna say sheer scientific magic to get the ruby ship operational and find him in the middle of space. Just brilliant. I I they. Now Pearl is incredibly intelligent anyway, so she probably figured out like you know which way to go. How yeah, how to travel through, and then she might finally, have had a way to like trace him too. Fair enough, Garnet Future Vision, and then finally oh. we have the introduction of the credits song within the context of the show, playing as like a background soundtrack, and Garnet explaining that you know Rose did what was best for the Earth, even if it means shattering a gem. Yes. And that's like, that's Rose's line. And Steven now has to come to terms with, is that my line? Is there ever any point that I would do that to save the Earth? And that's kind of something that he'll have to like think about and go through as we move forward into other episodes. And it's, uh, it's unfortunate like that she had to get to that point, but we, we don't know what point she had to reach. Like there are things that... I still feel like there's a lot of information about Rose Quartz that we don't know. Yeah, and oh, of course he he still he's still getting fed it piecemeal, and it's still like I think that they wanted him to have a a better impression of his mom because of all the good that she did. But at some point, the rose colored glasses have to come off. Yep, that's a great <laughs> way to put it. So. <laughs> It's like you have to realize that people aren't perfect, and especially with gems, you know, they, they aren't perfect at all either, and it's just... They're not infallible. Yeah, and it's hard that that they're still, to this day, kind of making it out to be that, like, she was this almost perfect gem, so... And already in just these five episodes, things like bubbling a friend destroying a gem, all these things that you wouldn't have thought possible from what we knew. And they all uh they all do make it back to Earth and we start season four with one of the worst rated episodes. I don't Kindergarten Kid. I don't understand. It's such a fun episode. In an episode described as an homage to Warner Brothers Roadrunner cartoons, Steven and Paradot are determined to catch a fast, elusive gem monster. A nice breather, perhaps, from all of the craziness of the last five episodes. It is not the worst rated, though. It, and guarantee it. Well, I would love to know if you've got rankings about that. Because you said, oh, that, I'm looking you at said that Bismuth was one of the highest rated. Uh, I look at uh, different reviews for each episode just to like, look at points that I might have missed and angles. Yeah, and I, this I one look at doesn't a, get a high rating. I look at, um, I don't know about that. Um, I can uh, look at it a little bit deeper, but I look at uh, IMDb and guarantee uh, that um, uh, Uncle Steven is the lowest rated episode. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. 
Um, but we're talking about an episode that adds little to the context of the story or the canon or the character development. It's usually the silliest ones that tend to do that. Garnet's universe is on IMDb rated lower than this. Uh, can, so again, yeah, again, a silly out of left field horror club is of. rated lower than this on i again on <laughs> okay, IMDb. okay i was only saying i mean that like on, and i was only I'm, saying on the av club they gave this one a c yeah say okay i was only saying they gave it a c out of most of the episodes getting a's and b pluses yeah so in a much more defined um rating system so out of 10 remember when we used to rate things out of 10 do you remember when we really cared about that because numbers really do mean things <laughs> so uh yeah like um both and I, i'll have to check it but uh both mr greg and uh bismuth had a 9.3 uh say uncle or sorry uh this one is a 7.9 which is really not that it's actually decent um whereas like horror club was a 7.1 open book is a 7.4 shirt club is 7.6.7 um uh political power is 7.3 Okay. You know, so, again, the cute one, the one with the big forehead. Um, so, okay, again. But uh, b- okay, Say Uncle so, okay. is 5.5. All right. So I like Say Uncle better than I like Kindergarten Kid. Uh, the door is right there. And uh, I'll draw play, divorce papers because it's hell more, to the naw. If it's just talking about fun factor, like I love a Wiley Coyote spoof as much as the next person, but that's literally all it is. It also shows it. It also shows Peridot, uh looking at things in a different aspect. It also shows her bubbling for the first time. It shows Stephen like allowing things to happen in a different way as we've well. Already, we've already had this message that the monster, for the gem monsters. It, is it really... a necessary episode? No, but neither was fucking say uncle. I will fight you on this. Like this, say uncle is a worse goddamn episode. Um, IMDb agrees with me. <laughs> there are some fun goofs in Kindergarten Kid because Roadrunner cartoons are very fun to watch because of the scheming mind of someone who is certain that they are smarter than their adversary. They even reference Yogi Bear. I am smarter than the average paradox. Oh, I was going to say smarter than the average gym. Yep. And we've got uh, Perry Plans, uh, <laughs> which is another PP, just like Pearl Points. It, it reminds me, there's a couple episodes where Wiley Coyote actually talks, and it's more so when he's facing off against um, Bugs Bunny. Um, and he says, Wiley Coyote, genius. And there's a business card that yeah. says that. For me, the fact, the reason why I would rate this less is because Uncle, uh, sorry, Uncle Steven, or say Uncle, goes out of its way to say, this is not canon. Nothing that happens here is real that doesn't so you're mean so that is- so you have to let me finish these points <laughs> so in kindergarten kid they are not saying at any point that this is not what's really happening in the universe which means peridot should have poofed at some point i don't care that she's stronger than other gems she sustains so much physical damage to her body which should mean that in any fight she would come away unscathed she is punished in this steven is punished in this in ways that are beyond Again, in Wiley e. Coyote and Roadrunner, they're supposed to sustain that much damage because that's the universe that we recreated. But Steven Universe tries to be, if you get hit, it hurts. These things happen. And so it's weird for them to take the conceit and be like, for the sake of a Roadrunner cartoon reference, 
they can now sustain immense physical damage. I wouldn't say that Steven, um, Steven sustains some damage and Pearl does, but they say that pearls are built hardier. Like, I don't think, pearls? I think they're more, not pearls, Peridots. Peridot says that Peridot's are a hardy gem but if that is the case that would make them as tough as a diamond the amount of damage she sustains in this <sighs> i'm not saying it's a bad episode quite i think it's fun that they did a wily coyote homage i think it's fun they did it with this episode but besides the message of steven pelting paired out with marshmallows to try and uh get her to see from the eyes of a monster i think that it's it's more fun than it is i'm yeah i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say i'm not gonna say that this is the best episode of the cluster by any means it's one of the more weak ones but it's it is heads head and shoulders um or by and large better than say uncle it i think i would have really liked it if it turned out that the monster looking up at the sky and sticking its tongue out it was actually doing something that they just yeah. weren't noticing. That would have been like, ah, oh, I feel like a monster. I, I do agree with that because I thought that's where it was going, especially the second time watching. So yeah, I thought there would be because like I thought they were like trying to um, communicate with it. So yeah, some sort of understanding that way. It's a way that Stephen communicates with the centipede. And I do like that Stephen's first bubble was the centipede, and Peridot's first is this elusive monster, and maybe they'll have an understanding moment later just like Steven the centipede will have later yeah so there's something to be said about that too but don't you dare come in my house my house and say that this episode is worse than say uncle the second episode of season four is know your fusion when Stephen and amethyst <laughs> introduce smoky quartz to garn and pearl they fuse into sardonyx and interview smoky quartz about what makes them special this is the episode i was talking about with how i know for a fact that um rose and if rose and amethyst fused that they didn't become smoky quartz how's that because they wouldn't have been interviewed by sardonyx okay so it's a brand new fusion okay i mean there's a whole episode talking about like tell me who are you like what what, what's what are you about fair enough okay fair enough so (laughs) steven amethyst trying to set up a bit to make Garnet and Pearl ask the right questions that will lead them to unveil Smoky Quartz. Reminds me so much of when I was a kid and me and my sister trying to like get our parents to say the right things when we had something to share with them and they just not understanding <laughs> what we're trying to do at all. I have something behind my back and it's not mud <laughs> and it's not a stick. What is it? You have to guess before I give it to you. <laughs> yeah, we were awful. Every all children are awful. And so Smoky Quartz shows up, and as always, the reactions from Pearl and Garnet are the best things in the world. As Pernet, sorry, I said Pernet as a amalgamation of Pearl and Garnet right there. As Pearl is increasingly worried about the amount of damage being done to the house, and Garnet is screaming louder and louder in joy at this new fusion. Oh, they both they both freak out like uh I, I love but Garnet. Is Garnet based on fear and Garnet's is like excitement. Yay! At first, they're both extremely excited, but then as you know, Smoky Quartz just keeps losing her yo-yos. It's just like, like Garnet's just like bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger smile, and Pearl's just like ah ha, ha, ha. <laughs> like her again. Her reaction in a uh, say uncle is just like, ha 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 ha. ha. She, she's gonna destroy the house. We have to fuse right now. 
Yeah, and so they become sardonyx and stop her and say, listen, listen, it's great to meet you. Let's go learn all about you and then enter into a late night tonight uh, TV set, thereby implying that we are the creation as the audience, our creation of sardonyx made to just view the surrounding events. And I do love sardonyx. Like, I love her. I love her design and I love her voice acting. It's so fabulous. And it's... <laughs> oh yeah, I mean that's exactly it. And her beautiful tuxedo and her spinning body, like just so many very good parts of her. And her big Hollywood larger than life sort of style of how she speaks and acts. And it's also but but that's the cool thing, is like she's not perfect and it's sad as it goes on and on how she's trying to get smoky quartz. Like that's the thing. It's so sad because Adonis is like, so tell me what's special about you and Smoky Quartz is like, look at my cool yo yo tricks. And they're like, no, no, it can't be just that. Here, measure yourself up against all the other fusions, failing to realize that if she was like any of them, she wouldn't be special or unique. And it takes like that to realize we, we're we completely stealing your moment. We didn't understand at all what you're trying to do. And now, you know, we have to just, we, we want you to share with your excitement what you want to share with us. That's the important thing, not what we think of you. And I like how they both kind of come to that realization and uh, it's like, we we stepped all over their spotlight and then they they uh, separate and then the room starts collapsing it's like uh we have to get out of here we learned that fusions have their own rooms inside the temple which is a really really neat thing um i'm not surprised but if you look at when ruby or sorry not when uh when garnet goes in a room two of them light up so the ruby in, and sapphire exactly ruby and sapphire have their have separate rooms but i doubt that they would ever use them yeah i don't think we know anything about those rooms either exactly i i imagine sapphire's room is just like a, just a big open room with maybe like one chair <laughs> and then like but ruby's room is just like filled with like pictures of sapphire <laughs> <laughs> that's sweet yeah they wouldn't want to go in a room that the other couldn't enter into exactly i mean like they may have to separate at one point but it's like to them it's like not being able to use your right arm or something like that so <laughs> we get a lot of good line deliveries yes we've heard about the yo-yo lived it loved it seen it lived it loved it which is very much a darling sort of thing oh darling yes it's seen all that uh and we, enough about the yo-yo let's hear about the yo-yo <laughs> Very Sar sardonic. It is very sardonic. So it's, it's very great. What a great! I just love her character so much, and I love everything about the design of her and the voice. I think that's just so very, very good. And instead of, and I wish they hadn't. Uh, and it and like, I wish they would like. Well, why don't you give this a shot? Like, you know, try um using the bow and arrow. Well, you weren't aren't very accurate with it. Try using your yo yo. Okay. Cool how? Okay. It. Well, you're you're not you're not really skilled with this hammer. Try using your yo-yo because obviously, other ones aren't as skilled with the other weapons that they don't make. I know that seems like it's such a weird way for Sardonyx to take it. Like she should know that it's the strength. That it's it's an unknown strength that two gems bring together, especially Sardonyx. Sardonyx is technically a three gem fusion. And we don't even think about anytime that. Garnet, yeah, anytime Garnet, but Garnet is a very unique fusion to begin with. So, uh, in the end, he, uh, Amethyst and Steven do get to tell Pearl and Garnet all about the cool stuff they did to take out Jasper and all the cool things that they can do, and that, and they're, and both Garnet and Pearl are super appreciative and excited to hear about what they did. So, 
it all wraps up pretty nicely at the end. Yeah, and it's and it, and it it's really cool too that they are able to kind of th- that Smoky Quartz is the one that's kind of able to quote unquote save the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, episode three, Buddy's book. When Connie takes Stephen to the public library, he discovers an old journal by William Dewey's first mate, Buddy, which chronicles his visits to various gem locations. What do you mean Stephen has never been to the public library? Um, that's I, the biggest fallacy, and that's the biggest thing to wrap my head around in this entire show. Um, okay, so you, you you're giving the the Roadrunner episode a lot of uh, a lot of flack. This is just a like an excuse to show the gems and old time clothing, which is great. <laughs> And that's what I need in my life. I'm sorry. Did you not need Pearl and Garnet dressed in revolutionary period clothing, it's riding the, a freaking uh, penny, penny farthing bicycle down the hill? But it, it it's the same doll, and and it, it even costs a little bit more. But she's got a new hat. <laughs> I will do anything and everything to see the gems in as many costumes and iterations as possible. I'm if, not disagreeing if with you, you like but fusion, this then you like playing dress up. <laughs> And that's a good thing. I like this episode, but I'm just I'm I'm bringing up the fact that you you had such a problem with that other episode. It's like it doesn't really bring anything new to the table. It doesn't really. And in this one is a key example that literally all that happens in this episode is this completely unrelated character that the that Stephen and Connie imagine as um uh not Greg not Buddy um. Jamie, yeah. uh, as Jamie going around the world in olden times, exploring or visiting the places, and he even realizes, like, I'm not even exploring; I'm a tourist. It's like, yeah, he really kind of is. What I like about this episode is that it actually does a lot of Rated setup. Lower than that one. I like FYI. I like it because it has a lot of setup. For I, what? Kindergarten Kid doesn't have any setup. You know why? Because I remember one of the future episodes coming up, and this is the very first mention of the palanquin. Okay. And that I is I will huge. give you that. I will I will give you that one point. We also but, see a picture of Rose Quartz defeating what looks like not a diamond, but perhaps a diamond fusion. There's this drawing that he makes in the journal of uh, this very large giant woman uh, who looks a lot like Rose Quartz. Uh, defeating this equally large person that looks like a diamond amalgamation, mm. and or it could just be a diamond. It could just be a diamond. Yeah, diamonds are. Um, we, diamonds we are haven't, big. Yeah, we haven't seen this yet, but diamonds are larger than all the other gems. Like how when you do fusions, you become bigger. Th- you become bigger and bigger and bigger. But I, I be- honestly believe that um, diamonds are going to be fairly massive. massive. We also see Rose Quartz in the middle of the desert with seven not pink lions. Yeah. What is that? <laughs> what are we going with this? So I think you just have to pick your poison in. Yes. Uh, which in which way do you want to go? Do you want to go silly uh, Warner Brothers way, or do you want to go possibly slightly um, hints for future things? But then you're also just not really visiting. Do you're not doing really much else? Theater nerd in me. Really enjoys. Uh, I know. I'm I know sorry. you're a theater new tour. That's why I thought you. I thought you'd like this more. Just the idea of Jamie being so much drama as they imagine him going around from place to place, and the realization that he is just a tourist. And Rose's very important fact that being first isn't always the important thing. Like in internet culture, being first is so important. 
But you don't even stop to think about eloquently explaining what you want to say. It's just important that you're there first. So the whole thing with uh, Buddy, the first mate Buddy, is that he explored and wrote it down in such great detail with such care that now this is the thing that's remembered, not who went there first. So I like that part of the message. I like that it kind of talks about how it's have a bit more care with what you say instead of just saying, I was here first, and that's what's important. Like, Columbus coming to America and saying, I was here first, and all the natives saying, uh, what? He's like, no, I was here first. Um, I have several questions. <laughs> um, you know, honestly, with them, like, discovering that the the book and, like, that the, the whole library was named after Buddy and everything like that, I will say that it did kind of remind me of a Gravity Falls episode. It does have that feel to it. Not until you said that did I think that, but it does have that vibe. It also gave me all the nostalgia feels for being in a public library. I've never been in one that beautiful, but I've been in a bunch of them. And to uh, see, I like, would say the Blunt County one is pretty that's nice. That's true. It is very beautiful too. That's okay. I've been in many beautiful libraries then. <laughs> but to see like the the rolly step stool and to like glide along the aisles, like I absolutely did that when I was a kid. I would just take the rolly stool <laughs> and fly <laughs> How down. How am I not surprised? <laughs> Gosh, I loved being at the library, and it absolutely was a Connie thing for me to like get all this stuff and be like, I'll just start my reading now. Just catch up on all of seventh grade before we start it. Okay, so we do def- definitely have to keep moving. Okay, number four. Mindful education. Stephen and Connie continue their combat training and practice fighting while Fuse says Stevani. However, when overwhelming guilt from both Stephen and Connie over past events gets in their way, Garnet helps them find inner peace. What I like most about this is that it could have been just a musical number or just a Stevani episode or just like it, it could have been any one of these things individually but it wraps all of them up together in a way that makes you wonder why they don't do it more and why don't they give a Estelle can more I make songs a, can i make a suggestion what you got can we skip this episode and talk about the last one so we can spend more time on the, the other one because we are running long already we can't skip but i okay. think we can be trim for okay. me the nicest thing about this is estelle's singing is great uh, the voice always, actress always and we never get enough of it and they're they're rationing it on purpose i know they are they're doing this to us on purpose we also get stevani singing which is great which uh aj uh michaela michaela um who is katra and shira yes um yes god there's so many voices like there's so many voice actors that i just love i mean Rose Quartz. I mean, there's so many just good voice actresses on all of this. Um, I love that it's musical. Oh. I love that it talks about both Connie dealing with her issues and then Steven dealing with his issues in a way that you think, oh, wait a minute. Steven has a whole bunch of stuff that he's not dealing with either. Positive, beautiful Steven. The way that it escalates to being about his mother, so very, very good. And the fact that this is a great issue talked about that is the exact same reason why inside out is so good and that's it's okay to feel sad about things it's okay that you aren't always happy you just have to accept it you can't repress it so much of children's media is about you can be always happy all the time but it's not real and it's detrimental to think that way so i like this one most not only for its visuals, only for its music, only for Stevani, but for the fact that the message is it's okay to feel sad sometimes. It is extremely important, and that's and that's why Inside Out is such an important movie for our time. That um, being able to um, feel down 
is okay. You have to go up and go down and you have to be able to ride that roller coaster. You have to have your lows, you have to have your highs um, and everything in between because if you do uh, left and I'm sorry, not left and right. If you only have your highs, then when you have your lows, it is devastating. Um, and if you only have your lows, then it's also devastating. But um, it it gets it shows when, but it, the, the stuff like this shows that when you have them to not just ride the waves like oh just pass. It's like you must understand why you're you're having them. Um, my my mom um, has shown that there are reasons that even when you don't realize it, um, for for her and I, she has a lot of the same mental issues as I do. Uh, that when sometimes when we feel down, it just happens and we don't understand why. But we can't just try to fight it because honestly, sometimes it just makes it worse. And when when that happens, you have to just take a breath and just either kind of unfortunately ride the waves and then realize why um there's been times when i've just had to kind of sit back and unfortunately just spend a day on the couch and not do anything and um it, kind of block everyone out and it's hurt people that i love that i love and it and it's and it's hard to do that but um you can't ignore those feelings and this episode is incredible on doing that because when you push it off for too long and it explodes, um, it's like, um, putting a, a dam against a rushing river. Sometimes you have to release the pressure sometimes. And it's, you, you, you've got to be able to work within that. And it's, it, it is a difficult situation. Um, and this is, this is a beautiful, beautiful episode. The song Again, might be one of my favorites, and it has uh, no short reason because of Estelle, but uh, AJ uh, McCullough is very much a reason behind that, too. So, My favorite part of this episode is Garnet coming to watch Stevani train and showing that she has made a sign for them. And one side says, go Stephen and Connie, and the other side says, go Stevani. And she says, it's, a sa- it's one sign with two sides and the fact that she's just there to cheer them all on is just so very very wholesome also Savani can float too and she floats like yoshi does super jumps in mario yoshi little running little running jumps (laughs) (laughs) Um, what's your favorite part of the episode i um honestly the song not just the song but the the breakdown in animation showing that it's um, Dreamscapey, yes. Um, missing it, frames and stuff. The uh, representation of uh, w- w- the worries of it being butterflies, like yeah, with these ink. Like I would have never picked butterflies being an anxiety-inducing symbol. Of course, we have friends who are legitimately afraid of butterflies and would think that. But normally, you wouldn't think that. But have this swirling vortex of these luminous white butterflies is a terrifying overwhelming thing i mean you would be surprised and of course you know in front of the podcast uh, uh page would that's completely think- disagree that's who i was thinking of when <laughs> i said fear of butterflies <laughs> um but she or no sorry uh the the fact that they chose this and like you have because the song starts with garnet singing 
and it shows um, Ruby and Sapphire dealing with each of their own individual issues with Ruby and her anger and not being able to let something go or Sapphire and letting things just build and build and build and build until she's alone and trapped. It, it can. How um, healthy must Garnet's relationship be to never unfuse except in high stress situations and even then only once in a while like she is always garnet always and how in sync those two must be i <sighs> she knows the most she is she is the old wise woman who has all of the knowledge again i think that's because she's able to be um she was mentored so well that she's able to kind of turn around and say you know let's let's be able to mentor so I think um, let me do that. Um, I think it's very easy um, to kind of sit back and look at, you know, a, a situation that you yourself have been able to go through. Like, you know, I've had young graphic designers ask for help, and I'm like, listen, I can only show what I've been through. Were you down there the whole time? Yes, we've had a cat under your chair this whole hour and twenty minutes. My God! All right. Well, what up, Kitty? Um, uh, so I've been able to look at other graphic designers and say, like, listen, this is what I went through. Um, I can tell you the path that I took. Whether you choose to um, actually follow it uh, is completely up to you. I will not be offended if you don't. Ooh, that looks like that hurt. <laughs> uh, luckily, it actually wasn't too bad. He uh, uh, he he started to. If you'd been wearing those shorts that you were wearing earlier, Oof. that would have really hurt. Yeah, those good good claws. Now, the reason I didn't want to do the last episode in the middle is because I think the themes of it's okay if you're sad sometimes feed directly into Future Boys Ultron. Well, um, also it, it th what I really liked is that they deal with Connie because uh, Connie doesn't really like have a. Connie, this is the first time she's had a, um, a conflict outside of her family or with Steven. So it shows that she does have conflicts that don't revolve in things in the show. Um, and it shows what happened and she is able to resolve it. But Steven doesn't resolve his stuff until they try fighting again. And they, and Stefani gets knocked off of the, the floating tower. She walks herself off the floating tower. Well, yeah, because because it, she is confronted by all the stuff that's happening, and it's scary because like she he keeps having visions of um, Bismuth and Jasper and Eyeball, and then all of a sudden the butterflies turn into giant versions of them, and he's feels surrounded by these choices or these decisions he's had to make, and he wasn't able to save them or you know help them basically coalescing but, into the one woman. Who he wishes. He I don't know say. if I don't know if it's a um I don't know if it's a wishes that he could help. It's it's a unpacked situation because we saw we saw the very first glimpse of that in um uh when he uh, discovers his floating powers. It's like yeah, my mom What's a good thought? What's a happy thought? My mom oh I'm not gonna unpack Or no, that what's right a, what's a sad thought? Is it my mom that's a lot to unpack. <laughs> I can't do that right now. I can't. I can't deal with that right now. So, it, and it shows that he kind of has that Midwestern attitude of push down your emotions, and when they raise back up, you push them down again. And when you have something else, you put it right on top, and it just helps push it further. Push it down. So it's it, it very much has. Uh, 
it has some deeper implications. And He's I think gonna have to come do it. I think these while these other ones are still tough situations with Eyeball, Jasper, and Bismuth, they're easier solutions with his mom. That's 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 some deeper, deep stuff to go through. So um I, I do look forward to it and I unfortunately at the end of the episode it's not resolved and it's i don't think it will be resolved for a while so it's gonna take some time but with that we come to our final episode which of course is just a light one future boy zoltron after accidentally breaking an old fortune telling machine at funland the zoltar from big steven decides to take its place and tell people's futures that while he enough. initially has fun he eventually meets a mysterious man who seems to only have depressing futures i uh i, I made the the zoltan from uh uh, dude, okay. where's my car? So oh. Zoltar, Zoltan. <laughs> uh, here is a fun fact for you, Aaron. When Mr. Smiley is talking about how he used to have a comedy routine and how he hasn't touched comedy in a while, boy, I'm getting rusty. And you're like, how funny? I mean, how funny that is. You know that Sinbad voices it. I said to myself, you know, it doesn't sound like Sinbad. It, it wasn't. So I looked up. I looked it up. Sinbad, the comedian, did voice Mr. Smiley for the first season. But a different voice actor has been doing it since then. And I liked the meta quality of this person probably wasn't a stand-up comedian before he took this job. So it's like a meta commentary. Didn't you used to have a comedy bit? Oh, yeah, way back in the day. I'm getting rusty, though. I, I don't tell jokes nearly as good as I used to anymore because it's not the same person anymore voicing him. Actually, the guy who voices him now uh, is... Um, uh, I can't remember his character name, but the guy from um, Cloud um, Superstore... Um, the one who collects the sneakers in yes, yes. the wheelchair, um, Garrett. Garrett, that's cool. I can yes, I hear it now. Um, gosh, I do love this Beatles fool who comes up out of the boardwalk and never smiles, Mister 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 Frowny. <laughs> what? How convenient your names are, and just the the beauty of Garnet coming by and Stephen asking, "I want to help this random stranger I just met." And she's like. This seems like an appropriate use of my powers and gives Steven future vision and is like, all right, give it a whirl. And no matter where he looks, this man is never going to be happy. And in the end, it takes them recognizing that the sadness can affect other people. While it's okay to be sad, you may not realize that while you're okay being that way, someone else might be affected like that. Like Mr. Smiley, who thought that his friend wasn't happy doing comedy with him and that wasn't the case at all yeah it's um and it shows that like these characters that like do care about each other don't realize that they can hurt each other in different ways so um and it, I, d I did like that mr smiley just was eh, like well i thought you didn't like doing these uh, these bits and he's like no these were the only things that brought joy to my life and it's like well you never smiled <laughs> And the fact they start doing their bit right there at the bus stop. I take that frown and turn it upside down. And he starts to laugh. And he says, hey, I thought you were a professional. Don't ruin the bit. That wasn't Just that. this beautiful friendship. Yeah. So wholesome. And it shows that two different personalities that you don't like. You don't have to agree on everything or be the same kind of person to be friends. So Or to be longtime friends even. Mm -hmm. so. And um, you don't even have to be a... a you know, you can be a nice friend and you can still keep this child doing adventure servitude for tapping a machine. <laughs> I see cramped legs in my future. Um, I did like, or it is really funny that you know, this character's name is Mr. Smiley and there's a song, ska song called Mr. Smiley, but it's a much darker, um, 
meaning behind that. So, um, <laughs> that old subversion swishery. Yeah, uh, like I kind of want to make like a like you know CMV or something like that with you know clips from him and just have that song play in the background because <laughs> it's like you know they said it was true, but when you killed all those people, I'm like. What? Do what? Hana? What now? What'd you just say then? <laughs> um, so they, um, so I remembered the thing. Uh, I wanted to talk about the voice actress with um, Natasha Leon, um, who was in, you know, uh, Detroit Rock City or American Pie, Orange is the New Black. Um, I'm like, she was in something recently. I'm like, I was like, was it She Ra or something like that? No, it was in uh, Swords Out or Swords Drawn, the, the Peg People. Oh, uh, kind of raunchy comedy. I um, that different show that 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 kind of humor that you like that I don't. It's and that's okay. All I'm going to. I don't want to hurt your feelings. No, you don't. <laughs> if you don't like it, you don't like it. I don't care. I'm not offended. <laughs> like you don't care for Rick and Morty. I'm not offended. Like mm-hmm. like there were times and I don't well, really. That's just not my. We tried watching that solar. Oh, solar opposites, which is very Rick and Morty. I don't like that either. I don't like majority of Robot Chicken. Like I, I like the humor of certain sketch I, subversions, but when it's just yeah. blood and guts and kind of. There, there are out. times when they they definitely push the limit. I think in later episodes they kind of pull it back a little bit more, but um, definitely in the first few seasons they I don't care as much. I apologize for my delicate sensibilities. But um, I know I watched it around you, and the episode where he was help the main character was helping the yeti. Yes, she was the yeti. Oh, fun! I did like her voice. Yeah, she's. I like her. Um, I like. I, I do like that actress a lot. That episode was funny because she thought that she had sent her husband to his death and turns out her husband was just an idiot and it wasn't her fault at all jackass yeah Yeah. so So, and i do i i what happens uh, a big not a big reason but one um one of the reasons i like those shows like robot chicken you know swords out or swords drawn and um you know other things like that is because i like the animation behind it i mean they're stop motion but they're stop motion done well especially in later seasons of robot chicken like they do some amazing stuff. Like they have like one shots. Like it seems like your saw argument where the amazing traps make up for to you. It doesn't matter that there's a bunch of no, gore and stuff like, like the, the, the whole weaving together thing. Is I, cool I, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't put that in the same category because uh, saw there's not much else to take away from than the traps themselves. Robot chicken is still funny. It's still inventive, but it's immature humor. I'm not going to say you need to appreciate it because it has good uh, animation behind it. I'm saying that it, it is immature humor. So, like, I, I don't expect people to like Saw, but they do have inventive traps. Robot Chicken has really good animation behind it, stop motion animation, but it's also funny and witty at times. Like, honestly, I kind of want you to watch the Robot Chicken Star Wars specials because they do have three of them. And like, especially someone who loves subverting Star Wars, they're hilarious. (laughs) I don't remember how gory it gets, but I don't think it gets any gory than what you've seen so far. Fair enough, I suppose. But But look at that, Aaron. We made it through all 10 of them. It took us a very long time. (laughs) We really are sorry. Yes. There really were usually like the last cluster we did, there was only like one or two that were like, Big episodes. This, this one, one, the first five were all 
big episodes. Yeah, and there's still like there's even like one thrown in in the middle. Like I would say, um, Mind- uh, mindful education, education. Yeah, that one. That one is such a huge episode. Which um, one of these of this cluster? Before we talk about the next ten. Which one of these is your favorite? Mindful education. I was going to say the same thing. I really enjoyed the 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 kind of four parter or the you know where it starts with uh, beta and then ends with um, you know know your fusion kind of thing. But mm-hmm. I I enjoy those episodes. But I think mindful education is just a beautiful episode and it deals with a lot. That or bismuth. Just because I remember Bismuth, and I only ever saw it once, but I knew Bismuth was coming, and she's only shown up once in this entire series, but I was still so excited to see her again. Her powers I, are really neat, too. Oh, yeah. That, that she's a blacksmith. So cool. I mean, it's yeah. it's very awesome to see that kind of cool character, just the same way when we watched uh, Star Wars Mandalorian. Oh, the, yeah. The, the cool uh, smithy in the basement of the oh. Mandalorian's dwelling who yeah. forms all the weaponry and armor. Uh, so yeah, we agree on this one though. Um, the next 10 we're going to be discussing next week, five o'clock Tuesday nights here on Marriage the Idea Reviews on Facebook. Right after my birthday. Yes. The day after your birthday. So be sure to come by and tell me late, happy late birthday. Mm -hmm. Last one out of Beach City, Onion Gang, Gem Harvest, which I think is another two part episode, a 22 minute episode, Three Gems and a Baby, Steven's Dream. Adventures in Light Distortion, Gem Heist, The Zoo, and that will be all. That's not 10. Yeah, be- One, because, two, because Gem Harvest three. is episodes 8 and 9. Aaron's using his fingers to count to make sure my math is right, but Gem Harvest is 8 and 9 because it's a 22-minute episode. I don't know why you keep doing that. That's the second time you've done that where you've counted one episode as two. Because it's twice as long, so we're going to talk about it for that the same uh, length of time. All right. I can't help it that Steven Universe can't have a consistent numbering structure. I'm not going to have this fight with you. It's <laughs> not a consistent number. You're the one that wanted to bring in it's more. It's not me. It says it right here. You can see it. It says eight slash nine. On, hang on. Hang you on. Skipped, you, skipped um, you skipped an episode. According to IMDb, you skipped an episode. I am looking episode. at IMDb, and I'm going to episode 15. Okay, so episode I have five. Future Boy Zoltron. We already did that one. Yes, and then last one out of Beach City. That's the first one I said. Okay, I, sorry. I thought Onion Gang <laughs> was the first one. No, I... Anyways. Anyways. So, um, this, uh, so this, this is going to be a big cluster, too. I don't think this is going to be... Um, no, this is going to be pretty big. This is going to so be big. What's, what's going to be the last one that we're stopping The last with? one we're talking about is That Will Be All. I know. Oh, God. That's I a know. huge episode. Yes, it is. Oh, my God. Yes, it is. Oh, God. So, until that time comes, thank you all for watching so much. Sorry, that's especially a- those who are listening and said. <laughs> we appreciate everyone who came on to just wave hi or take a listen. Uh, again, if you uh, are a fan of Steven Universe, comment below what your favorite episode of this cluster was. Uh, we upload the audio version of these live streams onto our uh, 
onto our Marriage to the Idea podcast. So just search for Marriage to the Idea on SoundCloud or iTunes, and you will find the Keep Beach City Quarantine subcategory where all the episodes get uploaded uh, the week after we record them. Definitely just found an episode that's rated lower than uh, Uncle Steven on IMDb. Tune in next time for Aaron to show us all of the episodes rated lower so we can really have a debate about what the worst episode is. Uh, Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, Be safe out there, especially as things are trying to get back to normal and trying to, uh, you know, get back on the right path. So, you know, we made this little mini series with our uh, podcast as a way to have fun during the quarantine. And we are keeping it going as we're both kind of returning back to normal. So um, I'm sure we'll find something else to talk about after uh, we're all said and done with this. Yeah, maybe so. (laughs) uh, But until next time, remember only you can keep each city quarantined.